morning. Good, this is on. Um, like Jesse said, we're kicking off 21 Jumpstart today, and this is our church's uh, 21 days of intentional prayer and fasting and uh, adjusting appetites and attitudes and attention to focus more on God. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say before we get started, we've been getting awful used to some really good preaching up here, and um, I just want to commend all the pastors that stand up here and deliver that every week. Um, just been really encouraged going through another blessing season with Pastor Nathan, and, and it's, it's been a great privilege to listen to him and, and to learn under him over the last 17 years that I've attended here. So just wanted to honor that. And one of the things that makes the preaching here so good is not just the people in the room, but the voice of Jesus in this house is the loudest voice. And I want that to be the case again today. So if I say something that hits your heart and you're like, man, that's really hitting me, it's not me. I can guarantee that. I'm just a little Mennonite boy from Lancaster County. I can't affect you in any way. Uh, Jesus, though is after you. He's been after you for a long time. And today, he wants to talk to you about making all things new. And for some of you, you've waited quite a while for things to become new in your life, and you're thinking that might be a someday thing. And I'm telling you that today is the day that all things could become new for you. Even if you've walked with Jesus for years, if you're just meeting him today, something's about to get real new if you're just meeting him today. Have you ever been dissatisfied with your attitude or behavior? I think all of us can say that we have, but I'm here to make a particular confession today, and that is my attitude towards the blessing season has not always been totally on par. Um, some of you know what that means, and that is Christmas was not even my favorite holiday. When I started coming to this church about 17 years ago, my holidays were Thanksgiving, 4th of July, uh, maybe one or another one, and then Christmas. Uh, I mean, Thanksgiving, it has food, football, you know, it, it's got family, and we'd shoot our guns, get ready for deer season, food, family, faith, football, and firearms. What could be better, right? How do you get better than that? Um, so Thanksgiving was my holiday, and then 4th of July, anytime you get a chance to blow stuff up, it's great, right? I don't know if you're sensing a theme. Um, but Christmas, for me, I felt like maybe it was too commercialized, and people made such a big deal about it, and then I even started to get spiritual about it. I was like, well, you know, if you sit down and you go through the New Testament, about a quarter of the New Test of, of, of the Gospels, a quarter of the Gospels spends its time on the last week of Jesus' life. That's, you, by content-wise, from his passion to his resurrection and to his ascension, that's, you know, the last quarter of most of the Gospels. And the, and the birth of Christ is very small, so why do we spend so much time on this? What's the big deal? And so I got kind of spiritual, but you can see my attitude wasn't real great about it. I thought I was being revolutionary and rebellious or whatever, and I enjoy those things, but um, my attitude was not where it should have been. If you wanted to hear more, there is about an hour of me ranting about that still somewhere in a podcast from 2017, but don't go find that. It's not worth it. I'm a different person today. All things have become new. I'll talk more about that later. 
But for some of you, your attitude and uh, behavior that needs adjusted might not be as petty as that. I've had bigger ones in my life that needed adjusted. And sometimes when we run into those, the world's way of fixing those is to get self-help, self-medication, maybe I can do this on my own, I don't need a counselor, I don't need a doctor, I don't need somebody prying into my business, I'm just gonna fix myself. I'm gonna be better, I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna get more religious. I'm gonna start going to church. Today I'm here to tell you a little secret that maybe not a lot of people have told you. Religion has never fixed anyone. Going through the motions, looking good to other people has never actually fixed anyone. And it's not gonna fix you today and it's not gonna fix you tomorrow. But stay here because there is something that happens in the gathering of Christ when we come together that is quite powerful. You can adopt some attitudes. You can work hard. You can do things to make yourself nice. A lot of people can help you become nicer, but nobody can make you new. If you started your Bible reading plan this year, you might have started in the Old Testament, and Genesis is kind of exciting at the beginning, but it gets rougher as you go, so just prepare your heart and mind for that. Um, But when you encounter the Old Testament law, which you'll get to in Deuteronomy, which I think is like March or April, no, (laughs) somewhere in there, you'll get to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and you'll start getting this Old Testament law, and what that did in the nation of Israel is over time, it produced a religious attitude. It produced a religious relationship with God, but that wasn't God's intention, And so we look forward a little, fast forward a little bit in the story, and by the time you get to Isaiah, all they had left was religion, and that wasn't doing them much good, and many people had left God and walked away, and Isaiah is standing there telling them, you are going into captivity. This is all ending, and you're going into captivity because this was not what God had in mind. But let's open the word to Isaiah 43, 19. And what is the Lord saying? In the middle of him telling them, you are broken, you're heading the wrong way, you're going into captivity, what is the Lord saying? He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. As they're going into captivity, Isaiah is telling them about Jesus. He's looking forward and he says, God is doing a new thing. This law, this religious relationship is not producing in you what needs to be produced. I'm gonna come to you. I want to dwell with you, Emmanuel, God with us. But even Jesus, even the very God of redemption can be reduced to religion. We do this to Jesus. Even Jesus can be reduced to a nice guy, a good teacher, a political revolutionary that I can assign my, conveniently, my own political attributes to, right? To experience the new thing that God is doing, we need to know Jesus. You need to know him. You need to be introduced to him. 2 Corinthians 5.16, so we have stopped evaluating all others from a human point of view. 
At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. The minute you receive Jesus, a new life has begun. Um, When we get to baptism, that's what it's all about. You die to the old way of life. You're raised to new life. Old, old guy's done, new guy's begun. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. How can that be about religion? How can that be a religious act? We've reduced baptism to a religious act. Don't do it. Don't separate the power from the act. When you become a child of God, all things become new. So when the accuser or somebody else comes to you and says, this is who you are, I want you to wear your previous label. Don't just put that on and be like, yep, that's me. You're right. You got me pegged. That's, that's me. You can rightfully stand there and say, I am not the same. I am a new person because of 2 Corinthians 5.17, my old life is gone and my new life has begun. Jesus knew this too. And when he was here, he invited everyone to come in. He said, everyone is welcome. Luke 4, 12 to 14, he even said it specifically. He turned to his host at a gathering. Jesus turned to his host and said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. Who do I have left? Friends, relatives, brothers, rich neighbors? For they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Jesus modeled this. He hung out with sinners all the time, people that other people would not hang out with because they were receptive to his message. They were hungry. They needed a savior. He, he reached out to the people, the religious people I had no time for. So, I want to say this to those of you today that feel rejected. You are welcome here. You don't have to get fr- fixed before you walk in through these doors. Maybe you wandered in and you're like, man, all these people got it together. And I, before I come back, I'm going to get myself fixed up. Don't do it. None of us have it all together anyway. This is a family. Come in this house, as pastor is fond of saying. Come in this house as you are, just as you are. There's healing to be found in the house. We want to be like Jesus. We are under orders to accept everyone and bring them into this house, just as you are. Don't self-reject just because you think you're less than someone else. Don't take yourself out ahead of time and stop what God's doing in your life ahead of time because you self-rejected. God didn't reject you. He's invited you in. We're, we're trying to not reject anyone. If that's the attitude of this house, we got to get it adjusted. We want to invite everyone in. We cannot be concerned with outward appearance. There's not a dress code here, and anyone trying to enforce a dress code, unless you're volunteering or something in a particular area that requires a shirt or something, (laughs) there is no dress code. Just come in the house. Please wear clothes. (laughs) 
Okay, when I say there is no dress code, some people are like, really? How far does this go? Yes. Come in this house. We're not concerned with signs of economic status, signs of whether you've got it together or whether you don't. Just come in as you are. However, God is not going to leave you the same on the inside. Okay? So some years ago at the South Campus, there was a young woman that came to us in Nazarene. She was single, broken, alone. She had been rejected in other places, and she shared her story. She had been judged and labeled a few other places, and here she found a home. She found people that loved and cared for her and surrounded her, spoke into her life, and she was so grateful and just sharing what God had done for her. After she was done, pastor got up and said something like this, I wonder how we would have responded if the tragic brokenness in her life had happened while she was attending here. Now, we're talking about people coming in and not feeling rejected, but I'm telling you, if you've been here today and the brokenness has happened here, don't self-reject and just exit. You need the love of God now more than you ever have. Stay in this house. In my life, I found this to be true. Jesus accepts you just as you are, but he doesn't leave you that way. Thank God, right? Thank God he makes all things new. I don't want my results. I want his results. I want him to produce something new in me. So if that means that I have to change to get different results, sign me up, right? Prepare for change. Jesus makes all things new. I'm so grateful he doesn't just clean up the mess that I made, but he walks with me through the process of becoming new. So God speaks a different word over our life each year, me and Jess, but for a couple years running, he kept giving me the same word, and that was trust the process. And he was making me new, okay? And he was doing something that took time. One of those things was that attitude I talked about at the beginning, and it came through two things, discipleship and submission. Who was I discipled by? Forgive me if I get a little emotional, but it was my son, Rylan. In our house, we call him Mr. Christmas. (laughs) And it's hard to be around Rylan and not love the season. And it was a big change for me. The submission part comes from what I said at the beginning. There are some really tremendous people here. And I know that pastor's love for Christmas comes from a good place. Okay? And I started to be like, you know what? If I'm going to be on staff and I'm going to be a part of what we're doing here, I need to submit to the idea that this is what we're doing, whether I like Christmas the most or not, all right? But as I began to do that, I can tell you that this year, Christmas meant more to me than it ever has. This year, the emphasis was that Jesus didn't come once, he's coming again. And when he comes again, he's gonna make all things new. And he came as a little baby, But the next time we see him, every eye is going to see him. It's not going to be quiet. He's not going to sneak into a small manger out in the corner somewhere. He's coming. And we're all going to see it. 
and he's going to set everything right. So that's what I was looking forward to, and communion means a ton to me, and through discipleship and submission, being discipled by Rylan and submitting to this house. If you drive by my house today, there's Christmas lights everywhere. (laughs) And I put them all up by myself. (laughs) So today, sorry. So today, this is for you. God wants to do a new thing. God can make a way out because he already made a way in. Jesus. It all begins when you say yes to Jesus. When you receive him and come into a relationship with him, that's when it all begins. And so to those that are looking in for the first time, we say come and see. Um, There was a little girl about six years old, gave her heart to Jesus and asked her parents if she could please get baptized And they said that was fine. And so the day came for her to be baptized, and she had invited about 50 people to come to her baptism. She's quite ambitious. Only 40 of them showed up, but she was just as happy anyway. And it's hard to measure the impact of something like that, but this is the email that they got from her dad. There really is no way to know how many lives have been or will be affected because a six-year-old was obedient and openly shared her faith. The only thing I'm sure of is how it changed the faith and commitments of her father. I see the power of something as simple as asking someone to church and how much of an impact can be made in the lives of so many. Here at Worcester Nazarene, we say there's more to come. And this is how they get here. The power of the invitation. Our God is an inviting God, and we should be an inviting people. There's more to come. And I'm happy to see so many here today, and some of you, this is your first time, and we're glad you're here. But there's more to come in behind you. So make room for them in your heart. Make room for them in your life. Um, there's There's a specific Bible passage that talks about just inviting one person Think how powerful this is. John 1, 45. Philip went to look for Nathanael, and he had just met Jesus, and he said, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? What does Philip say? Come and see for yourself. Nathaniel is skeptical, and that's what we're all scared of when we invite somebody. That church, Worcester, whatever they say. I don't know. Worcester. (laughs) Something offensive like that. Does Philip stand there and argue with him? No, no, it's it's not Worcester like Rooster. It's Worcester like nothing. No. (laughs) Philip didn't stand there and argue with him. Philip said, come and see for yourself. And I think that's the powerful invitation. It's saying, you know what? Just come and see for yourself. Just come in this house. Do I need to dress up? Do I need to give money? No, no, no. Just come in this house. No pretenses. We are all welcome to come in. Come and see what God is up to. Come and see how God makes all things new. That's a beautiful thing about the family of God. You get to see all the different stages of people being made new. Right here, right now, I can see how God is making people new. This is a different gathering than it was a year ago, a month ago. 
God is making all things new. But how does that happen? To do that, we have to be born again. So a woman came to the church one day and she ended up pouring out her heart to one of the staff pastors. She was in a very dark place. Uh, her husband was in the military. He was going through the effects of PTSD. Things were hard in their marriage and in, and in their life. And she was just at a, a place where she was really hurting. And the pastor encouraged her to bring her family with her to church. And so she started coming and attending. And um, something began to happen and their faces began to change. She got connected and plugged in and they met Jesus there. And the reason I tell you this is she sent an email that said, I can't believe how nice God is. Isn't that unexpected? God is real. He helped us through a very difficult time. Since we gave our lives to him, I feel like we are new people, a new us. It feels like we're born again. Thanks for everything. You got to love it. I can't believe how nice God is. I feel like we're new people. It feels like we're born again. I don't know if she knew that language came from the book of John or not. But the way we were introduced to the concept of being born again is in the book of John, chapter 3. When a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he was a person of status, a Pharisee. And um, he had to kind of sneak in to talk to Jesus because he had to get something settled. He says, uh, there was a man named Nicodemus, a religious leader, a Pharisee. One dark evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In case we thought anything Jesus said would be easy. And Jesus uh, replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So we've been born once, and we know that because we're physically alive, right? But the hard thing to get our minds around is we also have to have a spiritual birth. You need to be born spiritually because only God can give spiritual life. There is no other way to relationship with God. If there was, Jesus would have said it right there. But he said, you must be born again. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So as we round the corner, uh, God is not trying to improve our lives so that we have a better life. Okay? No, he truly desires to give us new life. He doesn't want to marginally improve your old life and help you out with this thing and that thing and the other thing. He wants to transform you from the inside out. You're not turning over a new leaf. You're becoming a new person. Some changes might make you nicer. Jesus is the only one that can make you new. So to get this whole birth and death thing nailed down, if you... Live your life without Jesus. You're born once, but you die twice. You die physically and you die spiritually. If you're with Jesus, you're born twice and you die once because the second death doesn't apply to you, right? You were born physically, you were born spiritually, and when you're born spiritually, you're born into an eternal family. 
Your new life, your eternal life with the Father doesn't begin when you die. Why would that apply to your spirit? It begins now. Your spiritual life begins now and goes on forever. Eternal life, spiritually, is available now. Be born twice, but die once. Just as God started a new thing when Israel was headed into captivity, and just as God started a new life in each one of us that received Jesus, so one day he's coming, and I said it before, but he's going to make everything new, everything. Revelation 21, five to seven, this is the end of the story in Revelation. He who was seated on the throne, Jesus, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is for you. Just as the plan of redemption was already in motion when the Israelites were headed into captivity, your plan of redemption is already in motion. He started it, it's available today, and he's gonna finish it. So today, as they play us out, come forward. Be there in your seats. Do business with God. Respond to him because he's doing a new thing. Your plan of redemption is in motion. The Redeemer stands at the door and knocks. Are you going to receive him? You're going to start new life with him today? Maybe you started it at some point and you got sidetracked. Jesus says, to those who are victorious, they will inherit all of this. The victory is yours today. Start that new life today. Begin anew. If you started at Genesis, you know that God's a creator. He's creative. He's still creating. He's creating new people in this house today. So if that's you, um, I don't care if you're just meeting Jesus for the first time or if you've got to get introduced to him all over again. He's a creative God. He loves you and he wants you. He wants relationship with you. If you've been religious and you're going through the motions, you're trying to get yourself fixed up, you're doing it on your own, stop it. It's not producing anything you want anyway. Let him do it. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. So I'm just gonna pray and then uh, I'll let Nate and the team play, pray, play for us as we, as we go. So Father, today we are your children, the sheep of your pasture, the sheep of your hand. We trust you with all that we were, all that we are, and all that we will be. So today, whether it was expected or not, we thank you for your plan of redemption that has always been in motion. Thank you for transformation that's available in our hearts and in our lives. 
in our families, in our generational line, in our country, in our city. You are creative God, but you start with us. The Bible says, but for the joy set before him, he endured the pain of the cross. What was that joy? Us. You, me. Thank you, God, for seeing us ahead of time and for starting something that we can never finish on our own. So today we ask you to do something new in us. Transform us from the inside out. Thank you for these, your people, and where you plan on taking us. In Jesus' name we